Good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever applies to you. Welcome to EuroLeague. Today, me and Monsieur Kira are joined by uh, LEC caster, Troublink. Uh, Hello. Uh, Katarina One Trick, Closet, Counter-Strike Ex Enjoyer. Extraordinaire. <laughs> There you go. And we're also joined by Misfits strategic coach, Heva. Now, hello, hello. Heva, you may not realize this, but you're actually in a pretty difficult position, potentially, because the Misfits head coach, as many of you may know, has the single greatest name in esports, aka Mr. Coach Carter, which, let's face it, is a lot to live up to. So I took it upon myself to find out what does the word Heva actually mean? No, 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 you didn't and do it that. Turns out <laughs> no. it did not disappoint because for the unanointed, Heva in Finnish, which is obviously, you know, his uh, local residency, means, drum roll, yeast, as in bread yeast or indeed a yeast or, infection for example or ba baking powder as well <laughs> or ba or baking powder so mm. that's nice isn't it uh i do have to ask quickly Heva, how did you land on this name what's the there must be a must be a story behind this um long ago like i think like 14 years ago um i was playing with my friends and one of them got a league beta key and he's like i'll give you a beta key if you name your summoner uh Viva, you know on 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 the league and um well i didn't i never thought i would be a pro player or anything and so i just you know <laughs> stuck with it <laughs> uh, yeah i've been thinking about renaming a couple of times but um you know as long as people didn't know what it meant, like I was like, okay, I can be incognito. Yeah, well, no, well, that's uh, it's over now. It's over now. I'm uh, I'm busted. On the plus side, that is the world's greatest uh, sort of superhero origin story. Anyway, got basically traded it for a beta key, sold yourself for a beta key, and uh, just got stuck to it. Uh, brilliant. Anyway, now before we dive into the mayhem that was last week's LEC. As is tradition, I also have to ask all of you guys my now patented would you rather. So the question this week, and I'll start with you, Trouble. Would you rather be able to run at 100 miles per hour without breaking sweat or be able to fly but with a max speed of 10 miles an hour? Okay, 10 miles into kilometers? Uh, I'm not very familiar with miles. 15. Oh, I'll take, I'll take flying any freaking day. Any freaking day. I, I literally do not care about running. It's kind of like the same thing as taking an Uber and just traveling anywhere. So I think flying would be a new experience. doesn't matter how slow. Interesting take. Interesting take. Kira, what about you? Does the running come with some sort of like damage resistance? No. Like about not okay, flying because you'd kill yourself. You would literally kill yourself doing it. But it's not, it's not like a button where it's like, you have to go at zero or a hundred. You trip, right? you trip like... up, you're dead. You're literally, you're gonna become a, like one of those like okay. crash victims. Ke like Kira is one of those people who sees the speedometer on his car and he's like, "That's exactly how fast I have to drive." Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> what about you, Heva? What are you taking? Uh, I mean, this sounds like a trick question because you specifically said about not breaking a sweat while running. So, 
what about flying, right? Like, yep. can I even fly, right? Like, am I too heavy? Or do I need to be like... Might be a lot buff? of flapping your arms about. Who who can say? Yeah, like, do I need to be buff or something? But I, I, I still would go with flying. I'm, I'm with trouble. Like, if I need to go somewhere, I'll, I'll just take an Uber. Otherwise, I'll be just flapping my arms around and flying, I guess. See, the thing is, you guys are actually all griefing because the millisecond you take off in front of anyone, the government's picking you up and doing all kinds of experiments with you. <laughs> Whereas if you can run at 100 miles an hour, you know, you can, uh, unless you're Kira, who's literally just going to go, apparently, then you can go at whatever speed you want and not even break a sweat, you know? It's just, why have a car? Just chill and, and they someone... surely will not pick you up if you do these in front of people well they surely yeah. will not be hey look it's flash but they might it's think it's normal. like a camera glitch or something you know you could explain it of away course. and be like i was just going really fast your equipment's yeah. fucked if you're flying i think you might have a more of a trouble explaining that one I'm not sure but uh who knows anyway um right now time to dive into what turned out to actually be pretty bloody dramatic super week didn't it uh and also fairly unexpected as well with how some of these things went uh and we've got to start with um what turned out to be i guess the two busiest teams at least which is obviously misfits and Fnatic, who ended up playing each other twice uh and of course i'm coming to you first on this heaver uh i know that the rest of the world excluding you know Fnatic ultras uh care that you guys allowed Fnatic to get sneak their little ways into playoffs but my question for you is when you guys were actually playing this game did you actually did you guys like even think about that like did you care or did you just think ah oh, we're playing a game for seeding we don't really care if Fnatic make playoffs or not like were you guys fussed at all about that aspect you you mean the um, the game before tiebreaker yeah the so game the, before the tiebreaker for them to get into playoffs um i thought we were playing for something still at that point i think everyone of us thought that we were playing like for third place if we won that game so yeah you were playing for seeding yeah yeah, we were we were for sure like still like you know full on focused on ourselves. Like we we didn't care about fanatic in the sense of like hey, let's knock out knock them out of players or like let's give vitality a seed in or I don't know I don't know how the standings would have worked, but we were just focused on ourselves. And did you make any like strategic changes between the two matches? Like as you said, obviously you then played the tiebreaker afterwards. Like what what adjustments did you make going to the second game? Like did you feel you were exposed in some way? I don't think we were exposed. Um, I mean, obviously we just went Zeri, You know, um, we went into game one with a plan of trading, kind of the meta ID carries of Silver and Zeri, and you know. <laughs> didn't work out <laughs> someone popped off and said okay fuck it you know ban it and you know go from there do, do you guys have a feeling that at this point sometimes it's like if you can shut upset down then you shut Fnatic down is that like how you felt going into that game um kind of yeah they he seems to be their most consistent player nowadays like they I mean Fnatic historically obviously has been very inconsistent but you know, they, they've always been able to have like other pop-off performances from top lane, mid lane, jungle, you know, support. But nowadays it just seems like to be an upset show all around. So, you know. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, Trouble, what what did what is your read sort of watching these two teams play? Obviously, like those games kind of had like almost a sort of quasi playoff vibe to them because of what was at stake. Like... How do you read these two teams right now compared to, well, the other teams, for example, who've made it into playoffs? Like, how, how do you see them? 
I'm just actually surprised that uh, Misfits finally got an identity because over in spring, they would turn around like 10k gold leads of like, what in the F just happened? Like, how did they turn around this game? Uh, is it only the video show? And then video gets MVP and they were like, yeah, it's probably the video show, right? And then they come into this split, into this split and they're like 0-4. And we're like, oh, this is this has gone downhill, right? Because it was all about here it's the problem, here it's out, but still not going very well. Uh, but I feel like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Kiva, it feels like Misfits are just so good when they get scaling picks. Like the front to back is stellar. The players know exactly what to do when they're put under a situation where it's like, okay, guys, now we team fight. We know how to team fight. We have our power spikes. For Fnatic, I think it's just chaos. It's like Humanoid dies, same as Mad, but Fnatic doesn't get anything for it this time. Uh, Absent and Healy, best sport in the West, uh, branded by a lot of EU analysts. It's just suddenly not clicking. They're dying two versus two, and that's meant to be your win condition. And I feel like having to rely on a player that pops off on Gragas top lane is not always a very consistent plan. Because yes, Wonder is a fantastic Gragas, but that's not always going to work 100% of the time. So I don't know if it's bonding that Fnatic needs to do or what is it, but it feels like inconsistency all across the board. Razok is being read really easily across the map. And I feel like, if anything, probably the most consistent player has been Wanda up the top lane. Yeah, I'd probably co-sign that. He's, even he's been, like, up until this last week, was sort of slipping away from his earlier form. But yeah, I think he's he's probably done the best. I mean, Kira, what, what's, what's your feeling? When you were watching these games, like, what was your sort of overriding reaction to these teams? What do you expect from them? What, just the Misfits and Fnatic angle? Yeah. Just they two? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Misfits forgot who they were when they played them the first time. They decided to try and play around uh, Gwen uh, and play the top side. Uh, they can't do that. And then they were reminded who they were uh, in the tiebreaker games. Thank God for that. We got there in the end. Um, Misfits are actually just one of my favourite teams because the adage in League of Legends, when you aren't like a fantastical world-class team, know thyself is the ultimate adage to winning games. And Misfits know themselves really, really, really well. They are uh, really, really good at executing majority of the times around uh, their specific comps, comps like Trouble Link says, like the scaling comps, and they actually probably do have the best uh backline two backline carries like pairing in the league maybe not the best individual player but the best back two um in terms of Vito and neon and they they really impressed me is just in the first fanatic game that they lost um they decided to go for something a little bit different and i don't think it worked out at all even zanzara on the vi because, you know, the whole idea of the Vi is to have, give you unconditional engage onto Zeri because uh, Zeri can, like, uh, just kite you out uh, when she goes, like, Mac 10 movement speed. But Fnatic had both options open to them. They could either go for the Morgana, which gives you the Black Shield option with the, the Bind and the Stun afterwards, but they decided to go for the Renata. And both options, because there's not that as much follow-up with the with Zanzara's pick, like, are just stellar. So I feel like Fnatic really did execute on, the, their, on a draft that countered a lot of what Misfits were wanting to do, and Misfits aren't as good with that draft, and that's why Fnatic actually ended up beating them. The second game was just Fnatic running it down in terms of draft, and they just gave Misfits the Trinity. So it was like, I mean, you know what, you give the team that's the best in the league with these picks their best picks, yeah, you're going to win the tiebreaker. Yeah, the I wanted to ask you, Eva, actually, about the vibe pick because I was asking uh, Kira about it, like during the draft, and from like player bad at the game player perspective, like 
to me, picking Vi like uh, in early rotation doesn't make sense because I feel like there are so many things that can just hard counter Vi and what she does and like what her the Vi win condition is. What what is the logic in the current meta for for people who don't know? Like, why is picking Vi early viable? Sure, I mean, I, I don't think it's just about the you know our point and click you know lock someone down. I mean. It was a big part of why we picked it uh, in that game, because they had already zoned Zeri, I believe. So, you know, obviously, Slippery, Hyper Carry, you know, can lock him down, uh, or lock her down with uh, with Vi, but also, you know, right now in the meta, there's not, like, anyone, like, hyper-clearing jungle really fast, so you just really want to go for early skir uh, skirmish power in, in your jungle picks. So, you know, by you know, is is good at like two v two, three v threes early on. Same with champs like Javan. Um, you know, Wukong is Wukong is fine, but it's probably the worst out of those three. And obviously, there's like you know the premium picks of Poppy and Trundle, but when you have Zanzara in your team, those champs are probably banned. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you have to um, expand a bit, you know. Yeah, and what I mean, this season obviously for you guys was just fucking weird like the first half of the split was i mean based on not maybe the first half but it started badly and then by the end of the split you guys went on some like mega crazy run um obviously at some point you changed out uh jungler and brought in zanzara but even before then you guys had started to pick up wins um what for you was like the biggest thing that changed between like the bad start to the split and then where you guys ended up on like that massive streak Mm, I mean, obviously, at the start, we we had brought in Irrelevant, and we have still like many rookies in our team. So I think it's completely understandable that we are gonna have games where that we look shaky. But I think the biggest thing that we changed was we had a really bad draft read going into the start of the season and in the first two weeks, like. We were stomping scrims, absolutely like murdering everyone with Senatum Kench, and then we go on stage. <laughs> it didn't look like it did in scrims, so um, we, we tried that for two weeks, obviously, the first two weeks of LEC, and then we were like, okay, can't do this, you know, we have to, we have to change. Um, I think in the first weeks, we also like played against Yumi first pick. Like, we were aware that Yumi is a champion, you know, is still a champion, is powerful. Um, but yeah, we were completely caught off guard by, uh, I mean, I guess the draft meta of Yumi being our first pickable champion, right? Like, uh, because we, we didn't scream, I guess, the right teams during the offseason. But uh, I think the biggest thing is we, we changed, like, our, our draft approach. Okay, and was like jungle uh, a lot to do with that? Like, did did you feel like you were able to draft more easily once the the jungle change went through? Was that more freeing in terms of options? Oh uh, yeah, for 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 sure. Um, I mean, it is literally the perfect meta for Zanzar right now. Like when people are, you know, not just misfits. Like people are actually first picking like trundle you know <laughs> like <laughs> without having a zanzara in your team so if you have zanzara in your team like first picking trundle is probably like a, a solid idea as well right like or... yeah no, yes he gets extra stats on the champion because he's zanzara yeah <laughs> 
Uh, right. Now, moving on to what was probably the biggest story of the week uh, from a prime playoff position, Vitality. Well, they contrived to completely collapse and finish empty handed, didn't they? Uh, but what a roller coaster that was. So, and by the way, yeah, fun tidbit from last time for those who didn't see the graphic at the time. Riot told us before the week that they had a 94.6% chance of making it. That's uh, not how that works, by the way. It, it doesn't take into like account like your matchup strength and your matchup win rates. What it is is it's ninety four percent of scenarios that the playoffs can uh, okay. be involve go. you being in the playoffs. Right. So they found oh. this. So they found the six percent. Or have I got it wrong, Trublink? No. Yeah, it's the percentage of scenarios that will give you at least a tiebreaker. So it's ah, not the percentage okay. of scenarios remaining for you to make it to playoffs. It's totally oh, it's a tiebreaker. Yeah. Oh, so it's even, as I was saying, so thanks for adding that context. So it's the scenarios that are going to get, uh, the number of scenarios that involve you. So they found the 6% scenario that doesn't involve them. Congratulations, <laughs> boys. You've done it. All they had to do, I think, right, was beat SK. One game, remember. actually. Yeah, well, yeah they, they, had to, they had to win one game of four. Yeah, so on that, I'll I'll start with you, uh, Trouble. What happened to Vitality? Oh, it's such a hard story because I'm actually, and I was a really big fan of Haru because uh, I cast him in the NLC all over spring. And then seeing him actually make the leap to the LEC, uh, you know, ex-world champion, has his own skin, uh, played one Ezreal game, but that's all it took for him to get the skin line, right? So... It was, it's actually pretty rough because I feel like the caliber of players that they have, they surely individually know how to play the game and the stats spoke for themselves. They do individually know how to play the game. All of their laners were ahead in CS, in experience, in the laning phase. When it came to the map going dark and suddenly you need to rely on macro, you need to rely on engages, you need to rely on communication, it seems to have fallen apart. I think um, one of the biggest telltales is that people had to step up above and beyond to try and make teamfights work. I think... Uh, something that people criticized a lot was a play from Perks on Azir where he dives into oh, yeah. five people, whiffs the old and dies. But I'm literally, but I'm like, that's the case of Vitality. If Perks doesn't take that 50-50 risk, no one's going to do it and you're going to lose the game anyway. So when it comes to having this caliber of players that are willing to put their names and their gameplay on the line to give you the victory, but also int if it doesn't work, uh, then something is fundamentally wrong. You're 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 talking about the uh, shuffle at blue buff, right? Yeah, like the yeah, blue, yeah, yeah. But did, was that a, didn't he just completely screw it? I can't remember the play like yeah, that, my head. It bit. was whiffed. It was no, whiffed. That, but that that shares right. That is, is this a game that was earlier in the season? Yes, like much yeah, earlier. Yeah. yeah, that game that game was doomed if he doesn't take if they don't win yeah, that yeah. fight there. It's like you're you're he's taking like a thirty seventy. The next fight not in that position is like a ten ninety. He yeah. that was a. It was a whiffed play, but it was probably his best play. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That, but that on these sense. new games, that's not the case. I think he mega fucked up these new games. But yeah, Kira, give me, give me your take on... Oh, sorry, Trouble. What did you, what did you no, say? No, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, when at the start of the split, you have to rely on one player taking the 50-50 and trying to go for the above and beyond Superman play, and it doesn't work, then, yeah, everyone's going to start hating. But the fact that there is no clear shot calling, uh, there is no clear plan for the mid to late game, I think was a problem of the, at the start of the split. And I feel like it does haunt you when you're like, one game is all we needed. It doesn't matter if it was in the Super Week or if it was Week 1 or Week 2 that we lost. One game is all we took. And a lot of these games, Vitality were ahead. And that's yeah. the biggest problem. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Kira, give me uh, give me your take on, on Vitality during Super Week. Because obviously, for people who don't remember, they went, obviously they didn't win a game. They went 0-3. They didn't have like... 
well, actually, to be honest, considering how close the LEC is, like, if you look at any schedule, it kind of looks tricky and losable games. I mean, they had SK, they had uh, Astralis and Astralis, right? So, so really, actually, they had, on, in theory, a easier than 50. They had three major yeah. chances. BXL, BSK, be Astralis. Those three losses for Vitality are unacceptable. For that they are like just they you have no excuse under those like parameters for those players. The one sorry you SK, Fnatic and Rogue. Rogue yeah, I, mean, not, I don't um, think I don't think they played Astralis. Yeah. yeah. I thought they played Astralis the week before beforehand on the run up, no? Am I wrong? Might be wrong. I was weak. Oh yeah, seven. yeah, yeah. They did. Yeah, so they played them on the week run up, because if they had won that yeah. game, they still secure playoffs. So Yeah. Um yeah, so like if you look at that run of form, it's like for those players, it's unacceptable, and you should hold this team to like a high standard. Um, and just not even want to highlight them out, but like for example, the Fnatic game um, was probably the one that was massively winnable. Uh, if like uh, Vitality play a little bit better as a team, they like actually win that game out. I think very very easily um and i think what troubling says perks has basically got himself into a mindset where he feels like he needs to um salvage or hero play loads and loads of situations but loads of the situations he was attempting to do that on azir he was actually like throwing the game he went for the tp flank azir play at base which lost the game because he got isolated and pulled out the fight and then the other situation where it was like a 4v3 but they had Senna up against like Zeri. Instead of like slow playing the game and using the Sen Senna to like heal up and sustain the fight and take out and maybe remaneuver or not take the fight at all because you can disengage, he goes for like the hero play, gets killed, gets shut down, and the snowball starts rolling against him. Though I think highlighting just perks as like the main reason Vitality um, didn't make it is kind of bullshit because they've got the same problem as Fnatic. They have a full holistic systemic problem of playing as a team. Their, their understanding of jungle is up there with, um, with the Fnatic. The only difference is, is Pyrex doesn't die level 3 every game. That's, that's their fucking problem. And so I think when Perks had everyone playing around him and playing for his advantages in the early games, that is like a band-aid. But you began to see that the the problems and the falters, like I think Excel in the tiebreaker game had an amazing read on them where Nuke Duck just on TF just played, was willing to just go down in CS all the time. But every time Haru and Labrov were coming to the mid lane, he was given, they were not getting any advantages and Excel's side play where they would have like a man advantage because they knew where the jungler and the support were going to be because they'd been coming to his lane every other time. They were like getting a bit, much better advantage somewhere else. I don't know if you guys saw uh, that they showed the uh, coach coaching team of the split thing or whatever, and they, they gave it to, to Mad Lions. But what I thought was quite funny is they actually showed the numbers of votes. I don't think they've shown the voters yet, but they showed the numbers of votes for each thing. And Fnatic had zero votes, obviously, but some absolute joker gave Vitality one vote, which I thought was pretty funny. So I, I can't wait to see who that was because that has to be a troll vote just for... Just but yeah, uh, uh, it was Vitality player, I believe. Like it's just a <laughs> Vitality players, but yeah, not sure oh, which one. Okay, well, either way, uh, if Selfmade was on the team, I'll say it was in. But yeah, uh, anyway, yes, Eva. From from your perspective, I mean, having played, you know, against them throughout the year and so on, like, what what was your actual expectations for Vitality this split? Like, were they this much of a yo-yo team in scrims? Like, how, how what was your sense of how strong the team could be versus what we got to see? I think 
they could have been much stronger. Like, I think they were held back by by their drafts. Like, I'm I'm looking through <laughs> again through their drafts on the Super Week and then the, on the Astralis game, and I'm just looking. Like, sure, you play Astralis on the week seven, and I see, you know, Orn for Visitachi. I see like everyone except against. Um, Except against SK, I think they have like a, I don't want to say hard losing, but you know losing draft, and I think this meta is really, really dependent on on draft, like having a, a somewhat playable draft into the enemy, especially into the enemy composition. You cannot just have like five champions in a vacuum and say, hey, this is a, this this is five good champions, this is five, this is a good draft. I think you have to have specifically like consider what the enemy team has picked to it's have a good draft. Heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah really exactly. It's like, really context-heavy drafting right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm looking at these drafts and I, I I think they're just making the games like impossible for them to play or like really, really, really hard to play. So, uh, you know, that's... Well, <laughs> I mean, it's not worrying to see like there's no, no more vitality to see, but uh, I think they just made, the, made it Hard for themselves because in, any little room for error, like really, yeah, like, yeah, like really punishing comps. In in scrims, they, you know, they were solid, right? Like they, I think, I mean, obviously, it's hard to say. Like I think, Fnatic, Excel, uh, Vitality, you know, all the teams in playoffs are solid, right? Like I think, I think <laughs> it's it's hard to say. Like if if they were better, right? I mean, obviously they, they didn't make it, so I guess they were the worst. Yeah, I have a I have a theory on the drafting thing, which is that obviously most of these coaches have their trees of like, oh, if they pick this and we go to this and this or whatever. But when it's like in the heat of the moment on stage, sometimes what they don't like overly consider. And a lot of the time as a player, right, you're just thinking about your lane and your lane matchup and what you're going to do to this person and whatever. But the how easy to execute some of these comps are like some teams just seem to be lacking on that like completely it's like you might have three out of five like super s tier meta picks but actually you just hard lost draft because your comps are, like fucking impossible to play compared to enemy team who've just got like defaulted down to b tier comfort but it's like vi into like one but like just e easy as shit right so i think that is something that vitality fell fell for a lot and i think what happened to curious point as well like in game I think there were loads of times where perks or whoever might like they just get impatient like i think the hero plays came out from also identifying that actually they're not in a good position even if they're even on gold or something and they try and make the like super play to win the game basically rather than being more patient and waiting for an opening one thing it obviously does address and bring up is what i like to call the bow conundrum which is you have this like absolute baller at least on paper and mechanically who's like chilling in Europe, like presumably chilling at the Vitality Gaming House, like one of the greatest talents we've seen at least ever in solo queue, right, in, in this region. And it was always a question of, well, okay, when Vitality were doing really badly, it was like, well, it's only a matter of time. Then they bring in Haru. Things weren't going well, if people don't remember at the start when Haru came in, they still didn't look that great. It's like, okay, well, once both comfortable, maybe they'll bring him in. But then Vitality actually started to do pretty well and go on a, a, their own mini streak. And they were like nine and five or something like that. And you're like, well, you can't bring in Bo now. But then obviously you go into Super Week thinking, okay, it's about playing for seeding, you know, whatever. 
but actually you just drop through the bottom of the fucking trap door, right? And so we never even got to see him. Like, I don't know if we know whether or not he would have, you know, featured no. in the playoffs or something like that. Um, I don't think he's allowed. He's not, yeah. Oh, That's really? It was, yeah, yeah. He's, not, he's not allowed to play. Uh, right now, there's something going on with visa issues, if I'm not if I'm uh, not wrong. But technically, he's not allowed to be uh, subbed in. Okay, well that's actually well that's actually better, right? Because then you don't you don't have the the what ifs. But man, I'd have. To be fair, to be fair, uh, if I can put my two cents on that, I do agree that Haru was struggling. I think the whole team was struggling to to sort of bond, especially the early games were like so slow, and they were just waiting for the mistake, but the mistake was never happening, so they kept falling behind and behind and behind, and they were trying hero plays that they would put them further behind. I feel like Haru's early game has gotten so much better towards the latter stages of the split where it's like, okay, if this guy is actually playing well, do we 50-50 and put someone else in who will be his first competitive experience in Europe, in the LEC, in a super week where the stakes are really high, right? And if you look at the champion pools as well, the guy is a carry. You have so many carries on Vitality. You've got Perks, you've got Alfari, you've got Kazi. Haru had to take a step back because coming from X7, he was a carry for X7. And until yeah. he found his foot in having to be the facilitator for Vitality, and until it worked for them, it took them a long while. Yeah, there's a small touch of the Razorks. Like, obviously, when Razork was on Misfits and Misfits had a yeah. less good team, the onus was on him. And then he goes to Vitality and he's surrounded by superstars. And he's like, I guess I'm a herbivore now. Like... It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. But I mean, just to to ask, uh, to throw this back to you, Trouble, like just from a pure gameplay perspective, forget politics or personal issues or whatever. Do you feel like Vitality looked any better with Haru, even once he got his footing than they did with Selfmade? Uh, pure gameplay wise, I think it was just about the same. If anything, I think maybe the mid to late were a little bit better. I think Afari hit on that as well. He said, I don't know if we're better, but we're definitely different. And I don't know if that has to do with like in-game atmosphere, you know, the atmosphere between the five players. Because I know from X7 that Harrow was always a very chill, calm guy. He would never tilt. He would always have to find a way out of like a sticky situation that the team fell behind. So he was always technically like a really healthy teammate to have in any situation, right? Um, so I don't know if that was the case and that was the change that Vitality needed, but when it comes to the gameplay, I don't think it offered too much, and I don't think it's necessarily up to that particular player. I just want to ask you, Kira, because I have a feeling you're a, a self-made, self-made man, so to speak. Do you? How would you? Do you think they'd basically would they have made playoffs if they kept self-made? What do you reckon? Yeah. Mm, uh... That's really, that's hard. That's really, that's just too hard to. I say that's probably just too hard to say. But and here the weird thing is, is Labrov looked better once Haru was in, introduced to the team, right? Labrov looked a lot better when Haru was introduced to the team. But so many variables are changing behind the scene that it's very hard to like pinpoint it. The only thing I could tell you is. Haru is not as good a jungler as Selfmade. Selfmade is like an excellent jungler. If you put Selfmade into certain teams within the LEC, Selfmade can be the best jungler in the LEC. He can be one of the best players in the LEC. Just, he he has not on those teams. I don't believe that Haru could do that. I don't even think, and Bo, inside the context of the LEC, um, could do that like straight away. There, uh, there was a version of Vitality where they played... To how self-made wants to play the game 
and I think it would have been very successful. But there was too many uh, chefs in the kitchen, and a lot of the, I think a lot of the it's like a famous thing that's said in Europe is that every single jungler in Europe lost the argument, which is basically like who do you play? Who get who plays for you? Do laners play for junglers or junglers play for laners? Right? And the only person who won that argument was a lawyer, where he actually has the man with the golden ticket that actually wants to play for his advantages. And basically, the majority of the other like junglers have all lost the argument, and they're all fucking laners dogs, and they're basically they're responsible for bullshit that basically isn't theirs. And that's what I basically feel like happened to self-made eventually. And once you have self-made in that goes context, I don't think it's even more, like because then yeah, then you have all these like narratives. It's like, well, what's he like behind the scene? Is he a good teammate? What do I know? But like, I think self-made could have been on this vitality if the things had went differently. They obviously didn't, and so you ended up with Haru. They almost made it with Haru. I don't think Bo would have been some magical fit player. He doesn't play three of the meta champions, like, remotely. I don't think he plays Trundle. I don't think he plays Poppy. Could have played uh, uh, ADC instead of Kazi, though, maybe. In the yeah, that, 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 unironically, that could have been the upgrade, and I'm not even joking. Yeah. Graves bot lane again. Yeah. Let's go. No, he's like a straight-up yeah, good ADC player. Yeah, just Kazi's a straight-up <laughs> yeah, straight Olympic sprinter. <laughs> Uh, right, let's move on to a team who were sprinting away at the end of the regular season, which was G2, who obviously seem to be in red-hot form right now. Um, fun fact, they beat every single other playoff team in the second half of the season. Um, so, Heva, obviously I'm not going to ask you too much about specifics. Obviously, you guys are now prepping for them. Uh, so instead of sort of talking about that matchup specifically, can you just give me your thoughts like on G2 and how you feel like they compare to the other playoff teams? Like, should they be de facto considered the best playoff team at this point? Uh, I, I think so. I think they're playing the best. I think they're playing the most consistently. I think every other team has, like, if you look at any other team in the playoffs, I think you have a pretty good idea on what they're going to play. I don't think it's just us who <laughs> has like a set way of drafting or I guess what comfort champs they have. I think every every team has them. But I think for G2, like you just you can go into a match and you just don't know what's gonna happen in draft. Like I think they're they kinda remind me of the twenty nineteen G2 in a way. That they might just be, I don't know, Yasuo in draft. And you, you just don't know where it's going to go, right? Or, I mean, yeah. And I think um, they're the most well-rounded in, in the sense of, I think their top can carry, I think their mid can carry, I think their bot lane can carry. So it's it's not very easy, yeah, to, to draft for them or, like, you know, go with a plan of, hey, just KO, KO caps, you know, haha, that, that's gonna win you the game. No, like you actually, you 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 have to come like fully armed against this team. Like, do you think that's like their biggest strength? Like, even rather than player strengths, just the fact that they're so unpredictable in that sense. Like, there's they're the hardest team to prep for. Is that what makes them the best team? Uh, no, I I think they also really do have the best players <laughs> like in uh, like top players in every role that's for sure the number one reason and then on top of that that their prep is really good and their drafts are always i think really really good as well so combine those two you have uh, at least 
well, uh, spring champion, not uh, summer champion, because that's us. <laughs> oh. Ooh, okay. Uh, trouble. Sometimes, as they say, you know, it's not always about who the best team is. You know, styles can make fights, as they say. Uh do you give Misfits a chance? Like, where where do you think this series is is won and lost? And you're not just allowed to say caps, even though that might actually be the answer. No, actually, the answer to a lot of the losses from G two was camp caps in the mid lane. Uh, but I think one of the big factors for G two that not a lot of people are talking about, a lot of people are underestimating, is Targamas. The fact that G two. In nine out of uh, in nine ninety percent of the red side games, they give R five to Targamas is is not a joke. Like this guy will win you the lane. His reset timers are impeccable. His roams are impeccable, especially last uh, last split during playoffs in spring. I had so many highlights where if he hadn't pressed B. At that particular moment, his top lane would be dead. His mid lane would be dead. His bot lane would be dead. Uh, waves would be crashing that they shouldn't. Like, this guy is absolutely fantastic, and his champion pool is insane. I agree with the fact that Hiva said, you know what, they're predictable. They play Brock, uh, they play uh, Yone, not Broken Blade, but yeah, they're synonymous at this point. Uh, they play Yone. It could be bot lane Yone, for all they know. But the fact that you cannot pinpoint their support with support jungle synergy is so pivotal in this current meta and it's not even the synergies to support having the right timers and the right roams like i think tagamas is by far probably the best support in the league i think he's like almost gone full circle and become underrated again because the thing is with that team and i blame the spanish community for this by the way there's like always so much noise and controversy around flax because obviously some people think he's like really good some people think he's bad and some people are just spanish so they love him so and he's doing all this shit on social media or whatever so he's the one that gets like all the attention but as you, you just said I'd, I'd have to think about it a little bit but yeah i think i'd probably co-sign that targamas has been the best support this split but no one really talks about it at all also of course because you know caps is caps and Yankos is still a legendary jungler, even if he's not, you know, at his absolute apex. And as Eva said, I mean, Broken Blade's for sure one of the best tops as well. So, yeah, I mean, Kira, what's uh, what's what's sorry, your? Sorry, sorry. Yeah, uh, I forgot to answer to your question. Oh, yeah, oh, that's that. true. Yeah, it's true. Misfits, yeah. misfits uh, favorite position to be against G two is at that 10k gold deficit twice, not once but twice. So you know what? If that early game uh, goes really bad, say fuck it. Let's us go all the way to that 10k deficit, and this is where we power spike, boys. You're welcome for the strategy, Hiva. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I think. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> let me just write them down. <laughs> I think uh, uh, Kobe. Even though I, I would never have said this about sort of six months a year ago, but I think he's kind of himself come full circle a little bit. I feel like Kobe and Neon are the best late game AD carries at playing late game fights and carrying fights. Like I feel Cobb. that. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Cobb, true. Cobb's, yeah, I would yeah. say it's, I'm just saying my picks. I would say Neon and Comp are the two best at it. Uh, and then if you just take week last the late last week upset would be another shout. You just got you just got to plug in a Astralis player whenever you can. You know it's uh, won't be around for too much longer. Maybe oh who knows we'll see. Uh, but yeah no I think that Neon is a legit as long as obviously he has a pick where that is viable. I, I, even though obviously Trouble was joking a little bit, I do think he is maybe even the best late game carry with these kind of champions. It's definitely uh, some somewhat of a win condition. But yeah, Kira, what what's your thoughts on on this matchup like what angles can you see for for misfits winning here uh, right so 
Um, Sever, uh, people discovering Sever, uh, finally. Uh, that's a big boon uh, for Misfits. Um, they're one of the teams, along with Rogue, that benefit from it the most. Uh, the problems kind of like start around Misfits' inability to play play effectively around like counterpicks top and these scenarios where like G two maybe they're not like insane at it, but they actually like can do it and execute on it. Also, Yankos has two jungle picks. I can't think of the other one. He has Pantheon and he has another jungle pick that he picks outside of the meta. I can't remember what the other one is again. I can't for the life of me. I think Misfits coaching staff have got a very, very hard job on their like picking ban and the direction that they want to go with in terms of trying to beat G2. The only thing I would say, and that, that, that is true for them, is Caps is can be... Caps, unfortunately, Caps and Targamas, but mainly Caps. Caps can just be the best player in the LEC. And he can just, without a doubt, win entire solo games. I think Targamas, which is very strange to me, Targamas, if the narrative had been built up around him earlier, but I think that he really was punished by G2's uh, early weak performance. I actually think Targamas, if the narrative had been built up around it, would have been an MVP candidate. If you actually just isolate Targamas and just watch him, like he's as good as you could ask any support from Europe uh, to be. And he's playing with flat. So, uh, it's, it's actually impressive. This man is anointed. Um... I don't, I, the only angle I can really think of is Misfits have to just kind of prey upon like G2's, for me their two biggest weakness. They have really lazy objective setups where they try and be very greedy and team fighting where Misfits and once they actually get to certain item spikes 2-3 can be the best team fighting team in EU. G2 can still be pretty good, Caps is infamously good at it, Yankos is infamously good at it but I think Vito and Neon can do it. But trading the picks is a big one. And what you trade for. Mm. I think it's I think it's really, really, really hard. The pick ban from Misfits is like the first hell you get over. And then you've actually got the, the game to deal with. I, I wouldn't know what to do. Like I hundred percent wouldn't know what angle to go with with Misfits. Cause I don't know the players obviously as well as Heva, their tendencies and stuff. So I would maybe take them in a completely different direction. One I don't know, has Turing Mist by the way played Jimmy? Uh, he must have, surely. That's the only thing I was thinking of just there, is that, like, if they have no Yumi priority and, like, Misfits are the Yumi Kings, then that's another little feather in your cap. You're going to write that one down, <laughs> Remember Yumi. Um, <laughs> G2 has phone. not played Yumi. Well, G2, I, mean, I thought that. I mean, it makes sense, right? Why would you tie down one of your best roving players on that shitty champion, so? It's broken, that's why. It's absolutely broken it's a lane dominant enchanter support it's absolutely busted but i know you mean trouble um that's my take on it i, I would best of luck kiva if you manage to to do it man you're a god i bow before you um, and if you don't if misfits don't win it's all on you as well apparently so there you go yep. so damn it's a wonder lost in draft it's a cold <laughs> stiff yeah yeah no just, uh, there's so many directions for Misfits versus G2 that Misfits could go or G2 could go and draft that it's it's just it's fucking it's just so crazy because like it, people always get into the things of like oh like early trundle 
for like Zanzara, but then that exposes you into um, Caps taking Silas, and then irrelevant if he's on a tank, like some sort of tank matchup, like Sedge or um, Orn, then he has access to the Trundle which is awful. It, it, it just the, the, when it's on Silas, it's just better. So there's so many layers to it. I honestly, God, would not even know where to start. Fair enough. Right. I want to pick your guys' brains now. We've touched on it a tiny bit, but one of the reasons I'm bringing this now, and I'm also probably going to talk about it again next week because I think it's just so difficult this season, is the summer MVP. Obviously, a regular season award. Whatever happens in playoffs doesn't count. I know that Troublink actually gets a vote, so maybe I'll ask Trouble to give one which isn't her actual vote. Although, in that sense, maybe she'll accidentally give away her vote by doing that. Anyway, Aww. either way, there is no obligation to answer it you're just a party pooper if you don't uh right so heaver and you can't pick someone on misfits who what argument would you make for for a summer mvp again no one on misfits is allowed um i, I think niski um i don't think niski is necessarily for me mvp is not like the best player in the role i don't think niski is the best mid laner but i think niski is most important player for for mad lions and i think the change obviously has been massive um so yeah i, I think niski like how he plays the map how he plays for his team and for his jungler uh, you know only only him can do it you know Here, here's the problem i think with with the the niski vote which is that as i said before they gave Matt, so the, the voters, the people who have a vote, they gave Mad the coaching staff or whatever. And in my opinion, it was between two teams, right? And you can make different arguments for both Mad or the one I would have gone for, which was Misfits, who I did think get the, got the second amount of votes. The problem is, I feel like if you give Mad the coaching, then part of that is basically saying that they identified that they needed to bring in Niski because he was going to be like perfect for their team and make loads of different things work. So in my world, if we uh, keep in my weird headspace here, you can't be the best coaching staff and have Niski as MVP because their successes like pull in different directions when it comes to these kind of awards, right? Like I, I don't really, unless they'd like stomp the league or gone undefeated or something, but they didn't. Obviously they, the joint first or whatever had a good split. No one's saying that they didn't, but I feel like when people say, you know, Niski joins and it just clicks, then you can't also say, well, yeah, but they're coaching staff. Like, no, Niski is a coaching staff in that sense to a certain extent, right? So, yeah, I, I, and by the way, I'm not disagreeing with you here. I just think that um, anyone who thinks that, like, Mad should get the coaching staff, but that also Niski should be the MVP because of how he's evolutionized how they play the game, I think those two things do somewhat contradict. Um, Trouble, what, what, what are you thinking for, for MVP? More well, I, will not, I will not give away the actual MVP yeah, that sure. I gave, but it was such a freaking hard choice. Yeah. Um, I know it might be a little bit biased, but probably comp would be the one that I would put after the one I actually gave in uh, the LEC vote. I feel like he's been one of the most, one of his most pop of performances of his career, early game, late game, mid game. Uh, the skill, the rotations, the way he positions in the fights, the amount of champions that he can play is just, I'm just happy because obviously he's great, but I also knew the struggles with him growing up and all the things he had to go, right? And he 
never moaned or complained or whined about a single freaking thing in his life, right? Things kept going wrong. He's like, we're here, we're grinding. And honestly, it feels good to see people like this uh, grow in the scene and develop to this point. My second one would probably be Malvern. I think he's brought such a cool vibe to the way Rogue plays. The fact that what I love about Malvern is that he will try the 50-50 int play and he will either be the hero or the inter. But the fact that he has the balls to make the play uh, is a, I'm taking my hat off for him. I think Marwak was probably like, at least for me, one of the best players of the season. He's had one bad weekend. Uh, he had one bye game on that weekend as well, but I feel he's been stellar. Okay, we'll, we'll create a separate award called Biggest Balls, and we can all agree that that goes to Maorang. Uh, yeah. I think, that, I think that's where it stops. Oh, by the way, whoever, I can't remember who the Greek person, the, the Greek guy is from, I think he's from PVP Media or whatever. Proof in the pudding that you don't just have to vote for people because they're from the same country as you. As uh, Trouble said, she did not end up voting for Comp. I think Comp's an interesting one because... And I was going to ask you this, and I thought I would know where your answer would go with this, but now I'm not sure. I was going to ask you, okay, if Comp's the MVP, right? Let's just reverse engineer this a little bit. Obviously, for Rogue, like for them, they've not actually had the best regular season. You know, like the record's what, 11 and 8 or whatever it is, something that actually adds up correctly. Um, and yeah, they've not looked as good as they have in previous regular season. So if Comp's the MVP... Where has it not been so good for Rogue? And obviously, then I assume the answer is going to be, well, Maorang. But I guess you, where, where, where do you think they've been weaker this split than in previous splits? I just don't necessarily think this has been Larson's champion pool season. Uh, because Larson is a very lane dominant king mid laner. You know, he, he likes to take control of that laning phase and he's been punished a lot, especially this season. I think a lot of the examples would be the Histalia games. Uh, because you put him on a victory, you put him on a zero, he's like, he's insane. You'll never get a wave off of him. You'll be stuck underneath your tower. He knows how to control his waves. He knows how to hover the side where he knows he's safe. Uh, but with the Thalia, this has been a little bit of hit and miss, right? It's because the champion just pushes and wants to, to roam. But then Larson plays it the way that he will play his other control made champions most of the time and he will get punished for it. Uh, so I just don't necessarily think this has been his, uh, his favorite champion pool season. But uh, Rogue as a whole, I think, They've been doing pretty well. I think the fact that actually losing during the regular split will be easier for them to adapt through the playoffs because usually when they go undefeated, when they go on these big streaks, when they're like, okay, guys, this is our meta. This is exactly what we're playing. We're not changing a single thing. Come playoffs, it always sinks. So maybe this time that they didn't finish first, maybe it's their chance to win the, the whole damn thing. Yeah. No, I think control is a good word for Larson because, I mean, it's not like he was the forgiven of mid lane or something like just perma-shoving waves or whatever but he always in previous splits seemed to be even if he was on the tower he's in complete control of the lane like he can yeah. do whatever he wants with it he's, but yeah he's world class at learning yeah um so yeah no that's a good chat and my last uh, mini question for you on this as well is what what are your thoughts on trimby because this is someone who really divides opinion among the the masses like some people are like well Trimby's the best support in the league and other people are like this guy is so bad it's embarrassing and i cannot believe that people ever talk about him like what what do you think of him uh is that a question to me yes I, that question is to you especially as you know if we, we talked about comp as well like is comp being helped by trimby or actually you know give this guy uh someone decent and you know who knows all right 
I'll start by saying that Trimpy, Trimpy's Rakan is legendary. He was the champion that he got known for uh, ever since he got out of the ERLs, since I have followed his career through the ERLs. Uh, do I think he's developed? Absolutely. Do I think he's, be, he's been hindering Rogue's performance? I don't think so. I think people have had their ups and downs. I think he's a pretty decent support, depending on what you put him, what his uh, responsibilities are. I think he does perform. Uh, like, again, especially on Rakan, something that can engage. Usually, again, we, we have this whole conversation with Hillisang as well. It's like the difference between a hero plan and an int is whether your team is going to follow up, right? And now that you have the goal button coming in from Malrang, the goal button coming in from Odoamne, and Trimby had to take, you know, a step back because there are other, there's other people that can engage for the team and prove that. He can just chill back and relax. Um, I think he's actually developed through the years. I don't think he's gotten worse, if that was the question. I don't think he's hindering comps. Okay, uh, okay, okay. Two versus two. I think, I think Hillisang's mic may have accidentally deactivated in a few fights that he's had. I, I don't know. If, I don't know. You know, in previous seasons, it's that spot on. Like he, you His know, hands he's just, as well. Yeah, he's just teetering on. Oh, is it in or is it genius? And wh Orange which rain, what would know, it be today? But yeah, nowadays it's like ah, whatever. Are we still playing? Okay, yeah, time to go in. Um, Kira, what is what are your? Sorry, thoughts? I just yeah. wanted to give an example here, uh, and Hiva's not going to like this example. For example. Malvang's Vi versus Zanzara's Vi. If Zanzara knows he's not going to hit that Q 100% of the time, he's just going to back off the play instantly. He's just, he's not going to risk it for the biscuit. You know what? Malvang's going to risk it for the biscuit 100% of the time. That's why he went 0 and 8 or 0 and 7 or whatever it is. But like knowing that your jungler is going to make that play is making it easier for the team to follow most of the time. Um, this is why I also like uh, Malvang. And this is why I think it's a lot of the weight has been taken off of Trimby's shoulders. By the way, really random aside, in the first Fnatic Misfits game, when uh, you guys were at Baron and upset is like low health and Zanzara's there with, uh, I can't remember who. Leona. Leona. And they don't he play. I think like he had GAs, but like, don't, d yeah. don't, don't, doesn't he just straight up win that? Like if Zanzara stays, don't you guys just kill him? Like that to me was really weird. I just in the like, Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, by Baron Pit. So uh, ba basically, there's a Baron fight. Uh, Every yeah. one of Fnatic yeah. dies apart from Upset. Upset starts walking back up. And I remember the caster say, said at the time, like, oh, they won't, like, they, they let him go because he had GAs or something. I'm like, isn't he just dead? Like, if Zanzara just, like, channels a Q, isn't he just dead? He can jump a wall. Um, I, don't, I don't remember the situation exactly, but... Uh, maybe maybe if I had like low mana or something, I, I just remember the comps being like, no, 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 it doesn't work. Like just run, mm -hmm. you know, like the consensus was just just to bail out. So because yeah, my memory is that I, I was just thinking like, if he stays, you guys win the game. But he was I channeling was... Q. He was channeling Q at that point, yeah. and Mercer dives in with EQ, stuns. Uh stunts yeah. upset and then Zanzara is channeling the Q and he takes it out. Yes. And that's what I mean about if that was Malrang, that Q would have been in, not out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but the, all, the other thing is as well though, even if, like if you're like, eh, I'm not sure if we win, don't you just go in anyway because you just yeah, you lose take the, the game GA. if you don't. You yeah, like for sure. I thought that was really weird. I think you guys legit win the game. But um, anyway, uh, so yeah, Kira, who is your pick for MVP? So there's like the t obviously like the narrative MVP of everyone is talking around is like Neske, like Neske, 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 Neske. But I've got like the the way people are like talking about like Neske, and I've got I, obviously I don't think it's Neske. I think if Neske gets it, it's like whatever. He has like an MVP candidate, but I think the MVP is quite clearly a lawyer. I think you can take a lawyer 
And if you pair him with a jungler that understands what Aloya is trying to do, it's as the be- one of the most replicable and consistent ways to win games in Europe in League of Legends. We've seen this with Aloya, Humanoid and Kaiser, and then we've now seen it with Aloya and Niski. The, the Niski isn't the outlier here. Aloya was attempting to do the same things with Reeker. The problem is, is Reeker didn't actually understand the concepts that like of what was like going on. And then Aloya was fundamentally changed as like as a player. But when you like f- fundamentally like archetypally change like junglers, that's like one of the hardest things in like League of Legends is to get junglers who have like a repeated pattern and a way to play to then not do that. And so when people are talking about like Niski being the MVP, they give like Nara as like Oh, he joined and now they're like second or like third or like one of the best teams. And they pin all the improvement on Tuniski. But what they don't understand is Unforgiven now plays lane out better. Um, he play bot late. Kaiser had a not very good spring split. I don't think he had the best summer split ever, but he was way much returned to, fo- uh, return to form. The meta for Armut could not be better from spring to summer, the transition of the meta for Armut couldn't be better. This guy gets to free play Nar. He is on Nar. He is one of the best people at that champion. And he's like, now he's GP. Nar, uh, Armut was one of the best GP players, actual like in lane mechanics, like uh, for, for the, in the entire league, by the way. He was fucking sick. So everyone basically just took the improvement of Rogue as like a four man unit. They then said Niske is responsible for all of those things. Without actually outlining that the problems that like Niske has as like a as a player. When you have a look and look at Niske, I see a a solution to like an imperfect imperfect problem. Niske will like roam to Aloya's invasions, but he's in a winning lane matchup and he'll have like three minions still alive. But in that matchup, all three minions would be dead. A better player like Caps would have all three minions dead and he goes to the roam and it's like a successful invasion and they start the skirmish. He's not as good as other EU mids at team fighting. It is a clear categorical weakness for Niske. That isn't that he can't play out uh, team fights as well. He has had some good team fighting, but as a, a broad range of his skills, he's just not as good as the other EU men. He's not as good as Larson. He's not as good as Cap. In certain, most situations, he's probably not as good as Humanoid. Just the gold disparities of the champions or like of the teams. Niski has these ridiculous leads uh, sometimes, and sometimes he's uh, uh, in those games he's not leveraging it or being as aggressive with it as I think someone with those leads should be. I think Aloya is one of the most complete players in the entire day. I genuinely think you could take Aloya and you could put him into the world-class LPL teams and the things he does there would work because they are fundamentally, they fundamentally work. If you took him and you put him on TES with Knight, Knight would be doing what he does with Tian. It would work over and over again because it's a fundamental solution. It's a thing that is replicable in League of Legends. I 100% think Aloya is the best jungler and he is the best player in the league. He his style of play that he brings to Mad Lions is so good at replicably producing wins in the LEC. And it's one of the best ways to play League of Legends. Alright, someone clip that because that is the Kira curse. I just want to remind everyone that in the first half of the split No, they, I don't even think they'll win playoffs. Okay. Well yeah, no, I just wanted to remind everyone that obviously Markoon was your boy. He was Markoon's the, uh... the second best. Uh, but well, he didn't have no, his no, good... no, 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 no. Marcoon was my boy. 
So, yeah, like, it up. <laughs> there you go. You can't yeah, take yeah. it away. You can compete over his collapse between the two of you. That's, it, that's, that's no, it, it wasn't so much of a collapse. It was like Finn decided to disattach well, his brain yeah. and they just lost every single topside situation imaginable. Yeah, so no, can I still your... change my MVP to, to Eloya? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is, <laughs> Thank that you. is permitted. Done. That is permitted. Did my speech inspire you there? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm, 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 I'm into the Eloyat hype train. Thank you. Um, for me, an MVP has a multi-dimension to them. It's not about how good can you press your buttons every single game of the split and how much can you replicate your success. To me, it's the bonds you build with your team, how comfortable you make your team in the rift, how are you guiding, are you guiding, are you opening your mouth at all for the entirety of the game? And of course, how you press your buttons and what your champion pool is. So there's like so many different dimensions that I feel like Niski has ticked this particular split that is insane. Um, we asked very briefly from LEC to to hear some voice comms because we're like, I had a chat with Niski. He was like, yeah, I was a, uh, I was pretty much a shot caller over in NA. Um, and he's pretty much a shot caller here as well, right? And Elioya has talked about this himself. He's like, he's taken so much weight off of my shoulders, having to guide the team all on my own. And now Niski has taken the majority of this part that now Elioya is fucking unleashed on the Rift because he doesn't have the weight, but someone else took it and it's working because Unforgiven's positioning was not the best in spring. Guess what? Niski was guiding him around for the entirety of that early split in summer. So he was doing that while pressing his buttons, while finding the flanks, while making sure that he structured the, the fight pre-starting, during the fight starting, mid-fight, end fight, and shot calling after. I feel like... Yeah, this gives a, a good yeah, MVP candidate. Yeah, but it, the, it feels the, like, even though I love it when it's like, oh, Caps is popping off, he's playing 50,000 champions, he's solo bolo in 1v4. Uh, that's definitely MVP pop of performances, but I feel like a lot of the behind the scenes are never seen uh from players and it's very so what do you think a lawyer's bad at uh i'm not saying you is bad at anything no but like, what do you, do you yeah but i actually think categorically Nesky's bad at like certain things and then if, once you increase the caliber of the players and you put Nesky into certain situations you will mm -hmm. begin to see like cracks and failures because of not, a lawyer's role, a lawyer plays a much larger team-based role, and so it has to be taken into a context. If you were to give uh, Niski Malrang, for example, not like I think that I don't think Malrang's a very good jungler personally, but what Niski would be doing wouldn't be anywhere near as effective because Malrang doesn't understand jungle uh, 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 quadrants as good as a lawyer. He doesn't understand like support rooms and as good as a, uh, as good as a lawyer does. And maybe Niski is telling. Like you said, you listen to the voice clip. Maybe Niski is telling the people these timers and they're like uh, in doing these things. That's information that I can't have privy to. But when I watch... Oh, it's like, official information. It's on the LEC. <laughs> it's official information. It's been on a video. Oh, it's a video on the, on the thing. But, I, but it's, yeah, but it's yeah. only like a snippet, isn't it? Yeah, it was the, it was a snippet of uh, a bunch of games on the way he he guides people around. Uh, I don't think necessarily Yoya has. I don't think a player has to be bad at something, and I feel like there's always improvements to do with every player. Uh, I'm not arguing Yoya because I think that he's a hundred percent an MVP candidate. And again, I didn't give the one that I put as my MVP, and I will not. So, but I think trouble I'm as well. You're, I think you're you have a similar. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you have a similar. Um, criteria for MVP as I do, which is, and like I've talked, like 
Thorin, for example, when we do our award show, he has a when he gives it, he gives a completely different thing. He says the award goes to the de facto best player in that split. And to me, I just take the words literally the most valuable player. So for valuable, me, yes. Niski will always be in the conversation for this split because in terms of added value, it's inarguable. Like it's nothing has changed personnel-wise, apart from well, obviously the meta has changed a bit, sure. Yep. But he, you insert Niski in, like you make one play, uh, sorry, one switch. And then as you say, if his comms are good, if he's like doing a lot of the shot calling delegation or whatever, if you extract him out of the team and put Rika back in or a default mid laner back in, how much value is lost? And that's like my definition of MVP. Um, so like, because again, if, it, if, if not otherwise, it's Caps. It's El Yoyo or Caps. Yeah, that... And it's like, okay, well, yeah, Caps has shown the highest level of play, arguably, in certain instances and done it enough that you can say that, you know, you can grade him on it or whatever. But... Yeah, again, the award's most valuable player, not best player. Um, why is it not Vito under that circumstance? Stick Dejour and, and Misfits. Well, okay. No, I'm, I'm being yeah, serious. Yeah, no, yeah, Dejour sure. plays out the majority of the late game team fight situations yeah. and Misfits wins, he plays them out the best. And the, he almost plays them out so optimally that like asking another player to play them out better is like you're getting into realms of unreasonableness. You're basically saying, I want Rookie on my team. Sure, but, like but, a world champion level. the problem is though like i i know what you're saying but the problem is first of all it's a bit unfair to use deor as an example because obviously that shifts the scale yeah, but you've done it you've done it with rika and then like you yeah but, Rika, yeah but that's an Sorry. that's an that's an actual like thing that happened though like they we actually have the objective evidence oh, yeah, yeah, of rika in that team but then that's a, you have the role comparison that's what i'm saying like this is a problem where you have when you compare um, roles in, in League of Legends at like any um, any given time, you have ro certain roles that are massively team facilitated. Like for example, oh, um, for sure. it's almost it's almost impossible for a top laner in Europe to ever holistically for the history of the game going forward, unless something systemically changed, for a top laner to win MVP because sure. the European teams can't whip play around top lane. But that yeah. doesn't mean that there aren't great top laners in Europe. It's just because Europe is fundamentally has a problem playing around top. Oh, absolutely, I don't disagree. But I, what I would say is. That that doesn't change how I would vote. That just means no, no, that just the award's like, flawed, right? Like, yeah, no, I'm just saying how it would change my like, vote. As in, sure. like, when you talk about that like situation, all of a sudden, Vito becomes a, can a candidate for me that I could really argue in terms of a lawyer. Yeah, they, but they, yeah, they, and as you said, then you do get into the uh, scenarios of like, but if you take this guy away and put, you know, Larson yeah, exactly. in or Caps in, like, how much better or worse are a team there? And the only reason I gave the specific example is because we've actually seen that exact lineup yeah, with no, Rika you're right, you're right. and that exact lineup with. Uh, no, I get, I get your point. Him. I get the distinction. But yeah. Uh, anyway, cool. So there's one final thing I want to touch on here before we go just quickly. And I want to ask Heaver about this. Now, I will first say you don't have to answer this, obviously. I'm just curious, right? So obviously, as we know, Misfits, this is like the final salvo, the last hurrah. And, you know, what an, obviously an amazing storyline it would be if you guys were to win an... an uh, I nearly said NLC, uh, LEC, or, you know, get, get to Worlds. Obviously, we have four Worlds slots this year. So I don't know what all the uh machinations are for how you guys can get there or not but obviously if you lose to g2 the the journey continues guys could get get to worlds obviously beat g2 then i think you're in worlds i think yeah um yeah so yeah but obviously as i said this is the last split for misfits or at least being called misfits uh i want to know and yeah this is a bit of a cheeky question when did you actually find out that misfits were selling NDA. <laughs> um, 
Or let me rephrase it. Uh, Were you surprised? I, I, I was surprised. Well done, Rich. Okay, there we go. There you go. I got right. a good time skill. <laughs> right, but uh, anyway, um, and yeah, just to like follow up on that, in terms of like obviously the the, the players and so on or, or whatever, I assume everyone's just like super focused on the game and not really thinking about that too much and not looking beyond this split anyway. Like there wasn't some massive shake up or. Um, I mean, yeah, for for the veterans, like for Neon Vitio, you know, like it's just about the game, right? But for for Mersa and Irrelevant, you know, yeah, I I came to them with saying, you know, hey, you you're gonna be part of this team, this organization for the next three years. You you know, we'll help you develop. We'll We'll be here for you, you know, on your journey. We'll we'll support you, and yeah. then, you know, one split later or you know one season later, you know, this is no longer happening for so for them it's a completely different story. And yeah. you know, I'm so amazed and impressed by their, you know, their fortitude, their willingness to you know, to say you know it doesn't affect them that they they keep playing on their you know you know on their top level right uh, so massive massive kudos to them yeah because i think that's context that gets lost because obviously at the time people were framing it like oh my god like uh, come the end of the season they don't know what's gonna happen but i think it's really important to note as well that they're literally playing the whole time like continually it's like by the way you may not have a job anyway uh yeah if you could do your best and like get into playoffs next week that'd be great but yeah, people hadn't really sort of discussed it from ang that angle. So uh, no, yeah, appreciate the insight there. Anyway, uh, that's going to be it from us. But uh, thank you guys for joining me. And of course, thank you all at home or wherever you are. Maybe you're in a closet like Kiva, possibly metaphorically as well as physically. Who knows? I'm sure there's a smorgasbord of different people tuning in. Anyway, thank you guys and see you next time.